welcome to our podcast. This is Mapping the Tropes. This is a romance podcast. We talk about a book, a romance book, whether it's YA or adult in each episode. And we pick a specific trope to sort of dive into. I am Adriana Maria Martinez Figueroa. I'm Marianne. And I am Paola. And today we're talking about fake relationships fake fake relationships fake <laughs> god tier god tier trope yes this, this sort of encompasses the the fake dating slash fake engagement trope or even i guess like fake marriage could also but that's more like marriage or convenience sometimes but the umbrella term we're using is fake relationship how are you all feeling about the trope today I am super excited about this one. Uh, fake dating is one of my absolute favorite tropes. And any book that I read about it is instantly like one of my favorites, just starting off because it has a fake dating trope. So I am eager to dive deep and explore this trope with everyone else. Same, literally same. It's truly a God tier uh, trope for me, for real. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's really become a very popular trope, I think, recently. And I'm just, I'm gonna sort of read the TV tropes description. It's a lot shorter than the last one. But, you know, we there's, there's some things we can talk about there. Here is the <laughs> TV tropes description from tvtropes.org. Simply put, two characters who aren't in a romantic relationship pretend to be. Naturally, there's a high likelihood of, quote-unquote, becoming the mask, or at least one character claiming, quote-unquote, it meant something to me, in which case you have a, quote-unquote, romantic fake real turn. That's the entirety of the TV Tropes description. I don't know what's happening, TV Tropes. This is one of the most popular tropes. I don't Maybe it just doesn't happen as much in visual media as it does in, like, the media that we're choosing to discuss which is like romance novels any what, what do you guys think yeah I mean I agree it is but it's it's a very condensed way of mm -hmm. explaining it and I think it's interesting that this one is so short when the friends with benefits one was a little more <laughs> like it yeah. was chunkier it was chunky it was a chunky <laughs> description exactly <laughs> I think since also it's more straightforward, yeah, it's someone faking a relationship to get something in return, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it also depends on how, um, why they're faking it. Uh, for mm -hmm. example, when we see rom-com movies about fake relationships, for example, I can think of the proposal. Um, they fake to be mm -hmm. in a relationship because one of them was being deported and the other one was their boss. Mm -hmm. Wait, no, no. The, one, the, the, boss, the, boss, the boss was, was being, being deported. deported. Yeah. The boss it was, was being deported and they, yeah. and they used their privilege, I guess their power to, to, to kind of make the employee fake a relationship so they couldn't mm -hmm. get deported. Um, maybe also how to lose a guy in 10 days. They're a fake relationship, but the, they don't know that the other party is also faking it, which is mm -hmm. which oh, yeah, was an interesting, interesting. It was an interesting kind of um, spin on the trope. 
So we we do see different type of different types of fake relationships and fake dating in media, but they all have different uh, plot twists or different motivations for for mm-hmm. each character. And it's it's always very interesting the way we see how they explore why these characters are getting into these types of situations. Personally, I love um, fake dating tropes because there's something about two people in a shared deception and they're in they have their own little inside I guess you can say inside jokes they Mm -hmm. have their inside uh you know they know something that the rest of the world doesn't and it feels like maybe in a certain way that's why they also fall in love with each other because it's something that they can't share with anyone else um I also love in fake dating because I don't know about and anyone else here but for me when you're getting to know someone it's a kind of awkward it's mm-hmm. kind of oh so what do you like oh I like this whatever but in fake dating that whole awkwardness stage is gone because they have to um you know they have to pretend that they're in a relationship mm-hmm. from the get-go so it kind of also um it sort of smooths out the small bumpy starts at the beginning and it makes them establish a relationship you know from the very first time we see yeah. them, which is very fun and that that also comes with like the layers of the the person who doesn't really know what what parts are deception and what parts are fake of the things that they're doing maybe they're like kissing in public and they're like oh am i kissing because it's a part of the the role or is it because I wanted to you know and that's when it gets like juicy and it gets like <laughs> so ah the meaty the meaty part of the 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 fake relationship yeah those scenes where they're oh you're a couple but why aren't you kissing and then they find themselves kissing but is it because they wanted to because they made each other kiss hmm. yes oh my god have you seen uh it's a pretty bad movie but have you seen leap year when they're in the like sort of bed and breakfast and <laughs> the, all the couples are kissing and they're like uh, they give each other like a very chaste kiss and then they <laughs> make out in front of all these people and they're like yes this is chemistry <laughs> this is totally fake just we're being extra dedicated to our roles exactly okay? yeah it's uh it it truly is such a great trope for Again, what you said, like skipping the awkward parts, you have to be there in in the relationship and you have to like get to know the person or pretend that you know the person already. So that Mm -hmm. is what makes it delicious for me because it's like, (laughs) oh, you're going to pretend you love each other, but you don't even know each other's birthday. Like that's Mm -hmm. beautiful. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And Speaking of uh, movies and all these different things, Paola, could you tell us the book that you chose? Because it yeah. has a movie adaptation that I think has influenced a lot of the, y- at least YA books that we see these days. Yes. Oh, my God. Fake dating is everywhere now in YA, which I love. Um, but my favorite one And one of my favorite books and, you know, series of all time is actually To All the Boys I've Loved Before by Jenny Han. This is a YA book that came out about like 10 years ago, I think. Oh, wow. What? 
2014. Almost 10 years. Oh my Six goodness. Years ago. That's a long, long time. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, truly, we are old. It's It's been too long. But my, my 25 years make, make me feel a bit decrepit. But, you know, I was still in college when that came out. The first one came out. So... <laughs> No, I love that. No, it's it's really been a, a while. And what's funny is that I didn't read it as soon as it came out. In fact, I remember watching, like starting to watch BookTube when the third one, or no, when the second one was coming out and nobody was expecting a second one. And then when the third one came out and nobody was expecting a third one. And then the movie came out in 2018 and everyone was raving about it. And I liked it and I liked it a lot. And I liked it so much that I almost didn't read the books. But what made me read the books was um, a comment from Jamie, uh, from Jamie's Shelves on Twitter. She was commenting on the book to movie adaptation and how everybody was already, you know, falling in love with Peter Kavinsky but how she preferred book Peter to movie Peter, as opposed to what everybody else was saying, because book Peter was more immature and he was more realistic, quote unquote, realistic as a teenager. So I was like, huh, that's interesting. I want to I wanna check that out because I don't know what a realistic teenage boy looks like in in YA or in fiction at all because I don't I never really paid attention to that and every time I read YA or every time I used to read YA they were all always too perfect yeah so I decided to give it a go and I fell in love with the series Peter Kavinsky is my child <laughs> I will forever defend his honor whoever is team uh, John you have bad taste exactly <laughs> Paula is the president of the Peter Kavinsky Defense Squad. Yes. Do not step to her. She will crush you. <laughs> oh, I will. I will. Like, I remember every time people were, like, mean to him about the second and third book. And even in the second and third movie, I'm like, first of all, he's 17. Yeah. Second of all, he's fictional. <laughs> and third of all, like, have you not be re- been reading the series? Um, but this one is actually, uh, this book, I chose it because it stems from our uh, first conversation that we had about how high stakes uh, YA romance feels. And let me tell you, Lara Jean starts fake dating Peter Kavinsky because she wants to, she wants the guy she actually has a crush on to not know that she has a crush on him because he's her sister's ex-boyfriend which by the way which by the way i love how like the second and third movie completely ignore him as a character i love i love to see it i love it i love it it's what he deserves I know he. I know he's a nuisance, like in se- in the second book also. That he he tries to bring up um things from the first book, and I'm like, bro, get away! You're not even relevant here. Goodbye. <laughs> I loved the movies so much more. I'm sorry, Paula, <laughs> but I love the movies so <laughs> much fine. more because I read the books um 
when I was a bit older. So I guess I didn't care too much about the teen hijinks and I wanted more about the cute fluffy feels and the fate dating aspect about it all. So I just loved that in the movie, they kind of jumped over a few um, weird teen angsty stuff and they went directly into the sweet sweetness, you know, the fluffiness. I truly understand that because my my gripes with the with the movie at least the second and third one is because you could see that it was directed by a different person than the first one and like the first one kept so much of like the aesthetic that you sort of connect to the books and the the feeling of the like innocence of like at least like adolescent innocence in terms of romance um it kept that versus in the second one i feel like even the color palette was a lot different um but that was just me because i love when women directors direct teen movies <laughs> and you know it, it didn't have the same type of feeling but that was just me no i agree the first movie is one of my all-time favorite movies i've watched it too many times same <laughs> same thing the second one tried to retroactively um, address things that they didn't touch in the first and in, in the first movie so the second one kind of was already carrying that plus also changing the director changing the writer it kind of was not I'm not gonna say downfall because it was a great movie also but it was it, it's definitely not the same it didn't feel the same it didn't give you give you the same um, feeling after it afterwards yeah especially I think I don't know. It's me because I'm team Peter, uh, <laughs> but it bothered me the way um, a lot of people kind of demonized Peter so much um, because of what happens in the second movie. And again, these are teenagers, not only, I mean, these are teenagers and also these are, you know, teenage boys and the way that Peter was so demonized for something And John Ambrose was like lifted up for doing nothing or the bare minimum at most. Yeah. Go girl, give us nothing. <laughs> Go girl, give us nothing. John Ambrose <laughs> was just a good friend to Lara Jean, what any boy should be. And somehow that made Peter like the worst love interest the ever, day. which exactly. I, I honestly do not see it. Like the movie is about Lara Jean and yet everyone focused so much on the mistakes the boys made and not about Laura's uh, and her journey and, and her feelings. And why is it that she chose Peter at the end? No one was respecting that. And it kind of bothered me, you know, when we focus so much on the ships that we forget about the characters. So that that's also kind of something that, that's why I loved the first movie so much as well. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, and I think the books do that a lot better like they focus a lot on Lara Jean not only because it's first person but also because we we get to see Lara Jean's own insecurities like especially in the second book I I mean I'm not gonna lie like even now as an almost 26 year old I would be so annoyed if my boyfriend was hanging out with his ex-girlfriend And making excuses like, oh, I can't tell you. I'm like, okay, but why can't you tell me? And then, but in the in the in the books, um, Peter had a really good 
reason to still be talking to Genevieve because they were friends. And I, I mean, that's also a lot of like internalized misogyny that yeah. we have to talk about because there's nothing wrong with your boyfriend talking with his ex-girlfriend just because, you know, you feel insecure about it. When Peter made it clear that he was into Lara Jean and he would never do anything to actively hurt her. Like he was not doing it on purpose. Especially because they know each other since children, you know, since little preschool. So it's very difficult to break those bonds, especially because they're in school together. They see each other all the time. And I think Lara Jean's insecurities comes from the people around her as well. Because the people around her were telling her, oh, aren't you jealous? Why don't, uh, do you see what's happening? It has to do a, a lot with her, also the way that the people were telling her how to feel. And that's why she, she grows up a lot through those books as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and her insecurities are also, I think, the point. That's why exactly. it's the, the YA uh, uh, feel, not the YA feel, but like, that's why it's, a, a YA and not an adult book um, mm-hmm. because it is the sort of thing that you feel when you're a teen you know you you're this is her first relationship ever and like she doesn't know how to handle it um, exactly. she, she's not equipped for it and she's I think doing the best she can first of all but also like she's receiving all of this outside um influence yeah influence and uh just comments um not just from like the the fact that you know her her friends are acting in different ways but also like she just witnessed at least in the first one she just witnessed her sister dump her boyfriend of like many years um and she's like oh well if my sister like doesn't know how to like handle a relationship how can I yeah you know yes exactly and we were talking about uh how high stakes romance why a romance was and this is one of them like having to prove to the guy that you have a crush on that you don't actually have a crush on him by pretending you're dating somebody else I mean Yes, I would be totally down to do that. I would do that a hundred times <laughs> that the guy I actually liked did not know that I liked him. Especially if he's my... Well, in this case, it would not be possible for him to be my sister's ex-boyfriend because that would be weird because um, my sister is a lot younger than me. Um, but like it, it, my friend's ex-boyfriend, like mm-hmm. I would never pursue that relationship so I think that the stakes are high and the teen angst is real and the characters are very uh, realistic, which is a weird thing to say. Like, I never know when to to say that it's realistic or not. It's relatable. At least it's relatable. I think that that can be a, a, a replacement word instead of, like, realistic. It, it is relatable. It's the type of thing that maybe, maybe not, like, we would have gone through but maybe like someone we knew or or whatever it it feels true it feels true yeah and especially because um Lara Jean has a very specific idea of what romance looks like 
because she is in love with love. Like she loves mm -hmm. rom-coms. She loves reading um, romance books. And then she, you know, meets Peter and she's like, okay, let's pretend we're dating. And Peter is like, okay, yeah, but not like that. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not how we date. I, I was going to say that they fall in love with each other, but they were all, she already had a crush on him way before. That's why she writes him a letter when she was a kid. So it also, in this faking relationship stuff, kind of these feelings come back to the surface. So that's a good, that's a very interesting way to to develop their their feelings for each other. Ten out of ten. Wait, 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 wait. Were they? Was he her first kiss? Now that I remember. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and the like spin the bottle thing. Yeah, I am so soft. I love. Those characters like more than life. Just, <laughs> oh. So basically they fake a relationship. He was her first kiss. And wow, that's that's just lovely. And and also her first relationship, right? Yeah. Yeah. Meant to be. Question, do you think that Peter and Lara would have continued their relationship post high school? So I'm not sure if they could be together. Maybe, in my opinion, maybe they broke up. But then when they both matured a little bit or whatever, they got back together. That's what I probably see. Because Laura has never known anyone other than Peter. Yeah. So I guess that maybe does something for, for them in college. I don't know. Especially because they're in different colleges and stuff. I don't know. What, what, what do you think? Which, by the way, in the books, I like that in the in the in the in the movie they changed it because in the books they were all only going to be like two hours apart. Um, so I like that in the movie the 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 stakes are elevated because that's like he's going to California and she's going to New York and that's a long distance. But like in the movie, no, I don't think that it would work out because that's a really, really long distance. And they're, you know, they're kids. They're supposed to be enjoying college and having fun and not just like, oh, let me miss out on this party because I have to talk to my boyfriend. And I don't know how a sports scholarship works, but I mean, Peter is going to be busy with, with lacrosse. And, you know, so I, I, I don't think that it would survive. But if it followed the book timeline, I, yeah, I think they would make it. Why not? It's two hours or two hours away. It's fine. It's funny because we're talking about how high stakes YA is. And here we see like how overdramatic it is also because <laughs> a two hour distance. You know, I've I've dated a person who was like four hours away from me and it was normal so so it's, <laughs> it's pretty funny how these two kids think it's the end of the world in the books because they're two hours away from each other I love YA for that it, it's it feels kind of comical when you grow up and you see it from the outside you're like wow I was making such a big deal out of two hours distance what <laughs> in the books I feel like there's a lot of emphasis made on Lara Jean's mom telling them Don't go to college with a boyfriend. That's the reason why Margot breaks up with whoever the fuck the the guy is. Josh? Josh, yeah. It's such a white boy name. I'm sorry. 
that um, is <laughs> forgettable. Um, which is, I, I feel like, was the purpose of Jenny Han naming him Josh um, to make him forgettable. Um, I, I'm choosing to say that it, it was uh, on purpose. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like Lara Dean, in, at least in the third book, has that in her mind as well. She's like, do I stay faithful to this advice that my dead mom gave me and my sisters? Or do I just say, fuck it and try it? Which she, I think she ends up saying just like, fuck it and try it. But like, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, that's, I think, the main uh drive in Lara Jean in the third one and you know personally I I don't think that they would have uh baited I I I don't think that a lot of like YA couples would make it like post (laughs) post senior year graduation unless they're like going to the same university or whatever and even then it's like don't go to the same don't go to the university as you I always hope, you know, I always have that small hope that, okay, maybe they will make it because it makes me feel happy inside. But yeah, yeah, realistically, I don't know. I think none of the couples from when I graduated that any of them have ended up married to each other. They like separated and some of them like did go to college and spend like a couple of years together and some of them lived together. but like. I don't think that any of them ended up married to each other. So it, it depends on the circumstances, I, I guess. Not well. I was gonna expose myself, but like, uh, let's let's talk about the next book. <laughs> I feel like we talked about how we were gonna talk about and uh, from to all the boys I loved before. Thank you, Paola. Um, Marianne, do you wanna talk about yours? Of course, I am so excited about this book. It is actually one of my favorite reads of 2020. It made that hellfire year so much better for me. (laughs) It's called Take a Hint, Danny Brown, and it's by the one and only Thalia Hibbert. Thalia is I'm 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 recommending another Thalia book because why not because Thalia is the queen of romance and you should already get into it this is Thalia's world anyway (laughs) anyway so take a hint Danny Brown it's the second book in the Brown sisters series and of course it's about fake dating this book is about Danica Brown and she is a professional she's an academic and somehow finds herself in a situation where she decides to be in a fake relationship with Safir Ansari and he is a security guard where she works at and it all happens because a video of the two of them goes viral when he saves her from a workplace um, fire drill. She gets stuck in an elevator it's amazing. And he gets his own hashtag. He's hashtag Dr. Rugby because also Safir used to be a professional rugby player. He was very well known until he mysteriously retired for some reason that we find out through the book. Safir needed that kind of publicity for a nonprofit that he works at. And Danica, Danny, 
you know, she is just so generous that she decides <laughs> to to help him out and to pretend to be in a relationship with him because this isn't only fake dating, it's also friends with benefits. I loved a lot of things about it. Of course, it has a lot of tropes in it that are spectacular. But one of the things I loved about it is that Safir, he is a very unique romance hero because he he loves romance books. He loves reading about yes. romance. He loves listening to audiobooks. And most of all, he's such a good friend to Danny before they their get banter. Into- yes. Their banter. The way they both interact with each other before they even consider the friends with benefits part and or or the fake dating is so amazing because they just have that natural chemistry that we everyone always you know wants in a couple so Danny she doesn't want to be in a relationship with anyone because she's just getting over a relationship with one of her co-workers she just says that she wants to get laid and that'll get her out of her mojo she doesn't need anything else and Safir he had a very traumatic thing happen to him that's why he quit rugby as well so getting over that trauma for him is well a bit difficult so that's why he hasn't also he also hasn't been in a relationship especially because he's dedicating his life to his organization and when Danny comes along and says okay I'm going to help you I'm going to yeah they both work together through their own traumas and insecurities and yes it's beautiful because Danny is so dedicated to her career yeah and yeah she's like also trying to like uh present I think at a conference so yeah uh having him around helps the I love the most about Safir that he's so awkward he's a huge man like like I don't know six feet or over he's super muscly he he's he looks intimidating you know you you he feels like uh, he's like the softest, softest cinnamon roll in the world. He's a he's a puppy dog. I love him so much. Especially Danny is also like a witch. She she's yeah. She does what she thinks. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's um she prays to a, a statue and everything. And the book is called Take a Hint because she tells her her goddess. She tells her goddess, like, give me, give me a sign. What do I do? So the book is called Take a Hint because Danny is not taking the hint. She's so stubbornly ignoring that she wants to be in a relationship with Safir. So when they're both in this fake dating situation, she has to confront those feelings, especially because he's so amazing towards her. He's so considerate. He loves he he loves her genuinely and and Danny I think realizes it but also ignores it because she 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 knows that he loves her but she doesn't want to acknowledge it in the sense that <laughs> then what would she do with those feelings this is another example of Tavia Hibbert bringing in a beta hero that all of us love and adore because and the roommate risk, it's also another beta hero who's sort of pining for the 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 other the other main character. Um 
obviously Saphir hasn't like pined the, the same amount of time as the other character in the roommate risk but it is the sort of same uh I think sort of the same formula not like the moving in together at least but like in that sort of like the the, the hero is tough but it's actually just like a pile of pining and uh sexual tension but will cuddle you but isn't this also supposed to be like super smutty i, I mean yeah yeah but i feel like talia hibbert's other books may be more smutty it's holding back a little uh, i i feel personally but there is still like they do have still have like sex on top of the table that breaks um <laughs> You know, there, there's, it's still very steamy because it's Talia Hibbert. How could she not? But yeah, that's my feeling about it. Yeah, I think because um, this one is a traditionally published book. Uh, I think also Talia tried to focus it more on the emotions uh, and how to develop them and then give like one a few good sex scenes rather than more sex to develop the plot I don't know if I'm making a lot of sense I'm, I'm not criticizing it because I love all of her books either way give me more sex give me this I don't care I love the books either way but yeah I do feel like it's true what you say um Adriana uh there's less sex but the ones that there the scenes that there are that are there are actually really good really really cathartic also they have a place and that's and they have a they help the characters understand more about each other um through their through their little friends with benefits slash fake dating arrangements yeah and like we we talked about this in the beginning about how one of my favorite things about fake dating slash relationships is the layers and like the characters not realizing where the farce ends and where the reality begins. And I think one of the best examples of that is it's a pretty sad scene in Take a Hint, Danny Brown, when uh, Saf has a panic attack before an interview and Danny is there. And she's there to like comfort him and help him through this attack um and I really really enjoyed reading it um not because it was done for shock value because but because it was earned the the book you know talks a lot about Saf's um relationship to his anxiety um and grief because he is experiencing a lot of grief um and a lot of like I guess some like some trauma but like She's there and, you know, it's that moment where she's like, I am caring for you because I want to. And it's not it's not fake. This is just me because we're both a friends and we're both, you know, having sex together. Um, and, you know, that has to be part of the like fake relationship dynamic for me that they have to be in it together. It can't be like one person is giving a lot more than the other it has to be sort of equal and I feel like that 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 scene really was like a sort of equalizer um for me yeah because throughout the book 
Saf Safir. He he's he's also he's always very considerate towards Danny and towards her needs and wants. You know, she only wants a friend with benefits because she doesn't want anything to come between her career, and he's mindful of that. So in this scene specifically, for the first time, Saf needs something, and and Danny is there giving it to him. Uh, in a way that was unselfish, it wasn't forced. She was there genuinely, and that's that was beautiful to see. I also like that in this book. So, in to all the boys I've loved before, Lara Jean is like the very enthusiastic person. She's in she's in love with love. She's the romantic one. But in this book, the romantic one is Saf. He's the one who reads the romance novels. He's the one who believes in the happily ever afters. He's the one who wants this thing to go from fake to real. So uh, versus Danny, who is the very sex positive. I know what I want. I will. I'm only going to take this as fake and we're only going to date. We're only going to be sex buddies uh, apart from friends in real life. So it was a nice inversion of the way uh, these typical roles that we see in different romance books are were inverted in this case i like that i like that um contrast i always look for that in i, I think especially talia does them so well like she's always like subverting tropes and making you think why like why does the girl have to be the sunshine why why does the guy have to be the grumpy one Instead, let's switch. And why is she the grumpy one this time? And why is he the sunshine this time? Um, I love that. That's so interesting that there's a, a contrast between uh, our books and their protagonists, aside from the fact that one of them is YA and the other one is adult. Definitely this book, this book w could, could not work as a YA. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> But also, like, Talia is writing a YA series. Yes, I'm very excited. I feel like we there have been a few announcements of romance authors going into YA, and I think that's gonna be great. Like I, I, I said it jokingly on Twitter when I saw the announcements, but I'm like, YA is saved, and it's because you know bringing that maturity and and complexity into YA and seeing how it's going to affect um, their characters and development is gonna be very interesting for me. Correct. Yes, I agree. I also hope that this time um, authors give their YA characters a chance to go to therapy. <laughs> I read, uh, I read a lot of romance books with the main with. I mean, again, I read a lot of romance adult romance books where the adults go to therapy, but I haven't read nearly enough YA books, romance or not where the characters go to therapy so i would love for unless the book is like explicitly about mental health you don't see too much about recognizing or acknowledging that there's a therapist or something like that yeah, yeah. no i i will say um he here the whole time by uh, oh my god uh vitor martins he's a brazilian writer by Vitor Martins. I don't know how it's pronounced. It's in Portuguese and I don't know how it's pronounced. Um, but it's here the whole time. And the character, even though like 
it, it is a YA romance, but the main character does go to therapy throughout the the, the whole book, not just to like deal with uh, like body issues, but like to all uh, and anxiety. Um, but also he talks about like his relationships and stuff. And it's really nice. It was really nice to, to see that in a YA book. I wanted to mention that. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for the recommendation. Yeah, it's really good. I really like it. Yeah, I think we talked about these. Adriana, what about your book? What, what, did, what book did you choose for this trope? Okay, so I chose Learned Reactions by Jace Ellis. Um, I don't think either of you have read this book. First of because it's a recently uh, released book, um, but also it's a relatively new writer. Um, but I'm so excited that I was able to read this and I want <laughs> listen. If I'm not able to bring in friends to lovers in every single episode, I will perish. I will perish or something is wrong with me. Um, send help um <laughs> if you're ever kidnapped just write a tweet i hate friends to lovers and we'll know we'll know exactly you'll know you'll know that i was uh taken um and you need to go all liam neeson and uh rescue me <laughs> um, do that for you, don't worry. <laughs> but i'm going to read the official description for the book um just to get you all familiarized with the, what the book is about. Um, so it reads, Carlton Monroe is finally getting his groove back. After a year playing dad to his nephew and sending him safely off to college, it's back to his bachelor ways. But when his teenaged niece shows up on his doorstep looking for a permanent home, his plan comes to a screeching halt. Family is everything, and in the eyes of social services, a couple makes a better adoptive parent than an overworked bachelor father. A fake relationship with his closest friend is the best way to keep his family together. If things between him and Dion are complicated, well, it, it only needs to last until the end of the semester. Living with Carlton is a heartbreak waiting to happen, and once the adoption goes through, Dion's out. He's waiting He's waited two decades for Carlton to realize they're meant for each other, and he's done. It's time to make a clean break. But it's hard to think of moving away when keeping up the act includes some, some very real perks, like kissing, cuddling, and sharing a bed. Even the best charades must come to an end, though. As the holidays and Dion's departure date bloom, the two men must decide whether playing house is enough for them or if there's any chance they could be a family for real. Okay, that was a big description. So I love it. I love it. I want to read Dang, it right I now. I really want to read it. It's a very complex sort of, it's, it's a very convoluted fake relationship uh, uh plot <laughs> because no but the stakes here are insane i'm i'm woof. they're really they they felt very realistic the book starts off with dion uh visiting carlton um for i think homecoming um because carlton is a He works at the finance aid office at uh, Howard University, that's in D.C. And 
so Carlton doesn't get a lot of free time and Dion is a like I think like a sociology professor maybe in Chicago yeah and so they're they're sort of they've sort of been living apart but they were college roommates and they were roommates they were college roommates so they've been friends for a while and Dion has been pining and when I say pining has been absolutely pining like that you can read through it and you're like oh my god dude you're 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 you have it so bad um and he's like I'm not gonna go to Howard to visit uh Carlton and he goes anyway (laughs) um and when he gets there and they're like spending time together there's like a lot of like tension between them um and they're like just on the verge of like exploring that tension once again when uh Carlton's uh niece shows up uh looking to stay with Carlton because well uh, his niece has been living with his parents and Carlton's estranged from his parents um and so Denise's adoptive parents I guess they were like oh if you want to leave just leave and she's like okay and (laughs) goes yeah and goes and lives with Carlton and so there's this added pressure on Carlton of you know being an adoptive parent I guess for like the second time um and it's it's such a complex and nuanced book that even if I try to explain it, I I, will, I can't like fully fully describe how entangled these two are in each other's lives, um, and like once social services gets involved in the like adoption process, um, Dion is still there like on his vacation because he's on uh, taking a sabbatical, um, and. He's like, I guess I'm going to be another father figure around here. <laughs> and they have to start like faking that they're together because social services is like, um, so I are you two together? Because like the your your niece slash possible adoptive daughter, um, you know, probably won't be able to handle uh, an unsteady household. And they're like, shit, I guess I guess we're together now. <laughs> It's not an easy feat to lie to social services and all that. And wow, mm-hmm. those stakes are incredible. I, I, I'm really interested in that book, actually. It is a, a male-male uh, relationship. They're both gay, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, but like, and there's like also like a found family aspect as well, because Carlton was like estranged from his uh biological family oh my Um, god I am looking respectfully (laughs) anxiously like wow yes I I absolutely love it there's like all the tension between them and once they like actually get together it's like a little bit messy a little bit perfect and there's like this whole backstory to them from since they were like an undergrad and I'm like "Ah, I live for this I live for this um question question how do they do they from the beginning like 
acknowledge that they have feelings for each other, but they push it aside or do they just continue on the fake dating train, ignoring everything? Okay. So the timeline of their relationship basically is like they were roommates in undergrad. They sort of hooked up together while they were in undergrad, but they were interrupted by like one of their parents. They're like forced into the, the, the room and they were like, oh, shit. So that sort of that sort of like muddied their uh, sort of like uh, attraction to each other, and they sort of like decided to forget about it. But obviously, obviously, Dion still thinks about it. Um, and so after they graduated, they went their separate ways, um, like to continue on with their like uh, professional lives. But they were like they still like met. Uh, at least like once a year or whatever and in this time like Dion is like I, I gotta go for it <laughs> that myself, you know like <laughs> like I gotta go um and you know it's sort of- so no Dion was obviously just being such a good friend and making that very difficult decision to to <laughs> to pretend oh my god how am i ever going to fake these these feelings exactly i mean sarcastic sarcastic. (laughs) exactly so they they sort of like hook up while like they're visiting and this whole like mess is happening um even though they're like i guess like get over our like sexual tension but like they keep doing it anyway um so there's that uh, I, I I can't state how much I really liked this book like in this is incredible and yeah I, I I highly recommend it if you like angsty best friends to lovers it's a part of a series this is the second book in the higher education series um I haven't read the first one it's from just the this book I think I'm gonna pick up the the first one uh and read it anyway because I really liked how it was written I liked the way the author um portrayed their like the all of the characters chemistry with each other and yeah I really liked it there's there's also that like found family aspect get more in depth of like the fake relationship aspect like the the thing I loved a lot about the like fake relationship is because it had a purpose. It wasn't just like, it wasn't just like let's fake date to like some friends think that we're dating. Like it had sort of real life stakes that could affect other people. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna talk too much about it because you two want to are are expressing that you want to read it. Um, <laughs> I liked. The three books that we chose. Okay, what's the thing you like the most, or or what's a scenario that, when it comes to fake dating, you love to read about or you love to see when it's a, when it's in a fake dating situation? I like, I like it especially if there are um, stakes that are high, as we've mentioned already. But like stakes that are that have implications beyond their relationship um oh i like that yeah same that's that's what i was gonna say the the stakes and the fact that the stakes 
you know, matter. I think I, you know, I agree with you guys. Uh, but I have to say that I hate, like I absolutely hate in fake relationships when it just gets so convoluted that it hurts people tremendously. Like, for example, uh, they faked dating and that's okay. But then they fake being engaged and then they fake that they're going to get married and maybe like a wedding preparation begins and, and things like money gets involved. And that's when I think, you know, maybe take a step back, maybe try and change this in some way or another because people are going to get hurt and people are, are, are in, investing money in this. Because, you know, when, when people feel secondhand embarrassment or secondhand anxiety in a bad way, that's when I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe let's, let, let's stop. Let's, let's reevaluate what we're doing here and why we're doing this. Yeah, I think that that's very true because um, just this week I read a, a another fake relationship book um, and it literally could have been solved if the main character confronted their family and was like, hey, I'm not getting married anytime soon. Uh, you know, that that's literally it. Um, but because the main character was like, I'm going to pretend that I have a fiance so everyone gets off my back. And then they all start getting involved and start, you know, the the other character starts like, oh yeah, we're gonna have a honeymoon so and so place. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think because we're we're Latinx, yeah. So when these when I read these types of um, books or see these types of movies I, I think yeah. okay and I know that in a Latinx family this this would not fly in any sort of way like uh, even when I'm 60 and I've been married to this person for like 50 years there well, okay that makes no sense anyway uh, <laughs> even when I'm 60 and I've been married for decades when this person my family will never ever let me live down the what what I put them through basically when when I did that fake dating thing yeah no it that is so true that that wow you nailed it marianne <laughs> yeah also like would any of you would be down to faking a relationship yes yes yeah oh, no hesitation i don't know if it's just i don't know if it's just like because we've idealized the like trope of it but like i told uh, yeah yeah i would most definitely I honestly offer, I always offer to fake a relationship to all my friends because in, in Latinx households, there's always end of the year reunions and everyone's always like, where's your partner? Where's your significant other? So I always, always, I always say, you know what, if you want, I can go. I'll be the perfect girlfriend. Just, just take me. I don't mind it. And if we fall in love, <laughs> then, you know, win, win. <laughs> <laughs> It was kind of inevitable. But yeah. but yeah, like I love all my friends. Not not in a romantic way, but in a, a, a friendship way. You know, I love all my friends. So faking a relationship is not, you know, totally unthinkable to me. What a, what about what about a relative stranger, like a classmate? Classmate tells you, hey, you want to do this? I don't, it depends if I like the person, not, not, not like, like if I hate you, I'm not doing it. Like, 
no ever no i can't pretend to like someone i can't even stand but if it's just like a, a, a random classmate that they're in a situation and they need someone to help them you know in that sort of sense well i i wouldn't mind it you know again i'm not feel the art you know, I, I, feel the art mariana is offering I, uh do I, it exactly <laughs> if you need you need an account you know you need a plus one to a wedding or something just call me up i like getting free cake and and dancing <laughs> so you know and yeah it's honestly i don't know uh, about the you know depends on how much we're willing to fake it also because a random date or something or or a, f a few weeks of pretend dating that's fine but but a fake fiance or something uh there there i have to really think about it and we have to be really close because there's no amount of like last minute uh you know you you can't learn everything about a person in two or three days to pretend enough to be like that level of close so so yeah that that's on my end what about you yeah but it would have to be very well thought out like i would also be like Lara Jean in the movie like no social media like for a classmate I would only do it for them not I don't know what would be in, you would have to have like a like a contract like Lara Jean exactly yes no for sure <laughs> I'd be like no social media nobody very can organized here are my notes exactly here are my notes exactly um in this fake date um you held my hand I did not like that <laughs> Um, next time we <laughs> you give you get feedback at the end listen I mean maybe you could do better maybe then you'd have a real relationship with someone if you fix this exactly 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 what about you Adriana would you date your classmate um yeah why not I'm bored <laughs> I'm bored. I would. Would it be? But would it be like including like physical things, like kissing and stuff? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Maybe the bitch. Like I said. I mean, I'm single. Why not? <laughs> no one's gonna be jealous anyway. <laughs> exactly. That that's very important. No cheating. No cheating. Um. But yeah, I feel like this is a good place to end the episode um let's uh Marianne, where can we find you where can we find your social media okay so you can find me on twitter at bookish borigua b-o-r-i-c-u-a bookish borigua uh you can also find me on instagram at reads by starlight uh i just started my account so it might be empty but you know well I I'm, i'm starting um And you can also hire me to sensitivity read or basically if you just want to pop by, send me an email and talk about books with me. I'm also down for that. So yeah, that's that's where you can find me. What about you guys? So uh, you can find me at Bodica Reads, just as Marianne spelled it, just so I don't have to spell it again. Um, on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, you can find me somewhere on YouTube, uh, just like search Adriana Martinez Puerico Reads and you will find me. Um, just because I don't have a, a specific URL. And my website is com. You can find all of my information there. 
um, where I talk about all the things that I've written or the books that I've done sensitivity reads for. So if you also want to use uh, get me as a sensitivity reader, don't hesitate. Uh, Adriana is an excellent um, sensitivity reader, you guys. I am. So, I'm not going to lie. Yes. I am. To um, your own horn because you deserve it. So yes. I do deserve it. There's a book that I did a sensitivity read for that is coming out uh, this week that we've we're recording. Um, I'm not gonna say the name because NDAs, baby. Um, but it's exciting. Um, and Paula, you? I am on Twitter and Instagram at Gereror. That is G U E R R E R A W R. I'm on my blog at lovepaola.wordpress.com, but Paola goes with two A's in the end. I'm at love Paola. Oh, yeah, I also do sensitivity reads, but for Mexican characters, also Latinx things, some of them, not all of them. Um, <laughs> I do fat Re- Read the yeah, website yeah. first. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I also do author interviews. If you're interested in doing that, hit me up. I love, 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 love talking with authors. Oh, I'm planning a virtual book fest dedicated to independently um, published authors, which is like self-published and also small press published authors. And that's happening and things are happening. And it's very, very, very exciting. And I will soon be contacting people for for LHM Bookfest, which is the Latinx Heritage Month Bookfest, which was a super smash hit uh, last year. And I hope that with the changes that I bring in 2021, people will still be interested. This is more about community, more about reader spaces. And yeah, I hope you're excited about it because I am too. I love it. And please share, rate the podcast, leave us a review. You can follow us on Twitter at Mapping Tropes and Instagram at Mapping the Tropes. You can also contact us via email at mappingthetropes at gmail.com if you have trope ideas or things you believe we should cover. Or if you'd like to get in touch with us, do that. Yeah, that was this episode of Mapping the Tropes. Uh, next episode, uh, we'll be delving into a different trope. It'll be royalty. And I'm very excited. Hope you join us. And yeah, this was Mapping the Tropes, baby. Mapping the Tropes, <laughs> baby. Exactly. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.